Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you, welcome, Claude F. Forbin to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Claude, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today. Oh, you're welcome, Tom. I am so grateful and thankful that you you invited me to your show. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be very exciting. I've been waiting all week to really get you on because we have a lot to talk about. So, but before I get into anything, let me introduce you to the audience so they have a better understanding of your passion. Claudette Corbin is a personal finance professional. She firmly believes that everybody deserves and should be financially secure. And trust me, folks, she's very passionate about this. Understanding how money works so the small business owner and the family can make informed choices that suit their needs and goals for their business or family. Claudette has always been uh, driven to support and help friends, family, community, an alumnus from Boston University School of Law. Uh, she is very passionate. Um, and of course, uh, it was a practicing attorney. And we're going to talk about some of her background because she's done a lot of pro bono work as an attorney. But Claudia, again, welcome today. We have a lot to talk about, and I love talking to you because of your passion. Um, I do. Uh, I thought we'd start with a couple of things. First of all, how did you get going in the professional financial planning area? Wow. Well, you know, like so many other people, you you I came into it because it started with a need. Um, back in 2007, um, my mom had a stroke and I went from being the daughter of the house to her primary caregiver and the, the homeowner in her stead. And, you know, time passes, you, you know, you, you understand this because I know that you deal with it within your own practice. So many of us feel that when those things happen, that there's all these services that are in place to, to support the family. And turns out there really aren't, especially when it's someone who's always had a home, has worked, you know, a lot, but that's still not, you still need service to help care for her on the day to day, which is in my case, because her stroke, the result of her stroke was vascular dementia. So she couldn't be left alone. So after fighting to find someone to stay with her while I was at work, I began to realize that I was really tapping into my resources. At the time, um, I was a bakery manager at um, a major retailer. And like so many people who were employees, you know, I liked what I was doing and 
I had planned to stay there until I retired. And here I am, you know, of course, in like anybody else, I'm going to those resources to make sure this house was okay, that she was okay. Fast forward um, 11 years, and I happen to come home from a particularly arduous day, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at my 401k, and I realized at the rate I was going, I was probably never going to be able to retire. Now, this is the thing. My family's West Indian, and most people, West Indians, will say, oh, I'm just going to work until I die. We say that, but we don't actually mean it. And I didn't mean it. I, I wanted to retire. I, I didn't want to do this, what I was doing forever, even though I did like it. So like so many else, you know, I went to a friend and good friend and I was talk, talking to him about my concerns. And he told me, go talk to a friend of his. And there I am, as, as you mentioned, I am uh, an attorney, an alumni of Boston University School of Law. I'm well-educated. I'm intensely curious. Something catches my eye. I sit there, I become a magpie and I'm researching it until I, I become, you know, I understand the, whatever it is I'm looking into. And I'm sitting down with this woman, Sunny, and I know nothing about what she's saying to me. And I'm saying, I didn't realize that that was an option. I didn't realize that I could do that. And I said, well, if I didn't know that, did my friends or my family or my community know that? And the answer is generally no. So two things occurred from that meeting. One, my concerns were addressed. I, so I no longer, if I had stayed at that retailer, I would not have worried about running out of money in my retirement. And I also would not have worried about who would take care of me in the event some, something happened to me. See, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So there was no me for me as I was there for my mom. But the other thing that happened from that conversation, it gave me a new passion. I am an advocate at heart. I'm always looking for opportunities where I can bring value to someone else's life. And here it was that on, I can, because of the platform, I can bring value to the average everyday person because that is our niche, the average everyday person. And that niche, that part of the market is so in dire need of really understanding how money works, understanding how this piece fits with this piece. And when you put them together, it will help you reach your goal. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to finance, it is not what the your financial advisor wants for you, or your if you're as a business owner, your attorney wants for you, or your accountant wants for you. What do you want for you? And how is it meeting the goals and priorities that you've set for yourself and for your family? So we work with that niche, helping them first understand, because when you understand how all this comes together, you're making decisions based on information and you know, I made the decision that was best for me at that time. So now I have peace of mind knowing I did the right thing. Because I think you can, you can read Tom, so many times you sit down with somebody and they're talking to you and you really don't know what's going on. And then you they say sign here, and you're like, uh, okay, and, and you sign there, and then you walk away, and you're like, whoa, what did I just do? And then you someone says, what happened? You're like, uh, I, I, I think I did this. Are you sure? Uh, he said this was the best thing for me, so 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 that's what I did. From that moment on, you're a constant state of 
Am I doing the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And you worry. But when you understand what you've done, why you're doing that, that's peace of mind. And that is what I do. And And, that's how I got into it. Yeah. And you, I know you, uh, that you are very passionate about the education process. And I agree with you. I agree as professional advisors that the best client is an informed client that has confidence in you, but they, in the, at the end of the day, they make the decision. Normally that's based on you educating them. And I'm a big, as you know, as you know, I'm a very big advocate of educating before decisions, but the nice thing about what you do is you educate. So their, their decisions are based on logic and knowledge, not emotion, which is the key thing. Exactly. What, uh, here's a question I ask everybody, but um, what are the things that I know you've been very successful? What are the things, the two or three things that you see in yourself that you feel have really been this, the driving force behind your success? Um, you know, any last one of us is wired a certain way. And it's, it's exactly what I said. I am an advocate at heart. And when I'm able to do that, it brings me such intense, incredible joy. You know, one of my favorite songs um, when I was growing up, um, we sing it, sing it in churches. If I could help somebody along the way, then my living would not be in vain. You know, if you think about it, we don't know when we're born and we don't know when we'll leave this mortal coil. That we can't control. But what we can control is what we do on the in-between. I am a I am a Christian. I am a firm believer in Jesus Christ, and I believe that He has set each one of us here to be that light, to be that candle, so to speak, for each other. As it says, the greatest commandment is to love one another, and that is to care for one another, to look out for one another. And I believe that to the marrow of my being. So when I'm able to do that, and significantly, whether it's give someone like the earrings, my earrings, or give someone like, or buy someone food or, or help somebody or give, bring them a smile. I'm doing what I was put on this earth to do. So here is a vehicle. So that I could check off the box. Can I help somebody? Absolutely. Can I, is it a a deep, is it a deep change in their lives? Absolutely. Can I make a living? Absolutely. This is great. This yeah, is well, great. You know, well, it, it is. And I understand what you're saying because you're a giver. And um, people in our industry work very hard. And in many cases, with no guarantees at all. And um, I, what I found over my 51 years of practice is the real troopers and the real professionals are the givers of this business and they want their clients to be successful. And that's, I think that's a real big element of your success. I think, you know, Um, knowing you the way I do Um, what, um, what is there anything that basically concerns you the most about your particular industry in business, anything in particular at this point? Oh, you know, it's so funny. I, you had invited me to uh, um, 
an event the other day with uh, Dr. Schaefer. I, know I'm, I hope I'm remembering his name. And it was extraordinary, but it was the part that made me laugh the most. It's like the biggest challenge to everyone in our field is Uncle Louie. When he said that, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Because so many people, you know, in this day and age of, of information, technology and information, you want to know something, I just go and Google it. But this is the thing. Google is a search engine. It's not a research engine. And you'll only get the based on the question that you ask. So if you don't know the right question, you're really not going to get the right answer. So one, our biggest challenge are the Uncle Louis, the guy on the street that seems to know stuff that really doesn't. He may or may not, but rather than people coming to the professional, like we, and it's, it's not just indicative of my industry, it's all industries. Before you go see a doctor, you have Googled your symptoms and you have decided that this is what is wrong with you. And you go to your doctor and tell them, I am suffering from an upper respiratory infection, probably on the brink of becoming pneumonia. And he's like, really? How do you know that? I Googled my symptoms. He said, you know what? Let me check you anyway and tell you, we'll see if Google is right. You do that with almost every field, with the exception of engineers, because you can't really Google how to, you know, understand torque and, and, and the things that go into engineering. So our biggest challenge is helping that client weed through the Uncle Louie or the Google information that's out there. Not that it's all wrong, but it's all based on, do they understand, they, did they ask the right question? And then did they understand the answer? So that's kind of our biggest challenge is, is weeding through that. And then you have a bunch of people that, you know, they have, they have knowledge, they're, they're not licensed, but they're out on the web and they're giving out all this information, but they don't really have any skin in the game. And it's not, again, it's not that they're wrong, but when it comes to something like finance, where in so many cases, especially when you're working with the middle class and, or you're working with a small business owner, you are their only bite at that apple. And they won't know that the advice you gave them is wrong until they actually need it. So working with someone that you can look at and say, you know, you have experience, you, you have you know, the educational background, and you have the integrity and determination to do the best for them and not for you, that, that's the person that's going to work for you. Because you know, in every industry, there are bad actors. We can't ever avoid that. But you want to look for someone who's real, truly committed to working for you so and, and you know it shows up because i again people like you who want to educate and they're not in a hurry to uh do anything and anything in particular but want you to be meaning the client to be ready to make decisions and they take the time you're very patient and again like i've said before the best advisors are the ones that are very patient and, and, you know, they really care about the value of the information you're giving and receiving. I think that's really, really important. And, um, you know, that that is a key thing because uh, there's a lot of people that are so misinformed 
on finances. I mean, I, I work with attorneys, accountants, and again, professionals are very good in their niche. But once you walk out of that niche, um, they're as lost as uh, I would be as an engineer. Um, so again, it's getting, and again, I think that comes from great quality of relationship to Claudette, which you obviously build up because you're a giver. Um, let me ask you, do you take much free time for yourself professionally? You know, um, the best part of what I do is as long as I have a computer, I can work anywhere, especially in this day of Zoom. But recently, I, I recently came back from a 10-day vacation. You know, as a small business owner, the fact that I could technically walk away for 10 days, I couldn't do that if, as an employee. And I made the conscious decision that for those 10 days, I was staying off social media. I had one, I had a, I did have a policy, I had a delivery I had to do. That was fine. That was like, what, one hour out of my day. I, I kept track, you know, on, on the back end of what's going on to make sure things were going along. But but for those 10 days, I focused on friends, family, and just enjoying the downtime. Having come back, I, I just noticed, I know, and I just, I feel decompressed. I guess that's the best way to say it. It is, I am decompressed. Like, I had a leak while I was gone. My, I had, so I came home to that. I've come home to a bunch of other things, which usually I would have been like, oh my God, I've been flipping out. But because I've took that time to walk away and decompress, it's like, okay, well, okay, we'll just deal with that this way. And okay, but I got to do this too. There's no longer that sense of overwhelm. You, you know, I, I, you keep saying this and I, I, you know, in my book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, I talk about, I, I ran a practice on 80 days a year. And why uh, what you're saying is is so true. And the more time you take off, the more creative you get, the more relaxed and focused you get. There's clarity in your life. And over time, uh, that is such an important part of your life. And, you know, you and I both know professionals that, my God, if they took an hour more than lunchtime, they're, they're, they're going through the roof, you know. So. Yeah. So time off is such a good thing. It can be very productive, even though you're not being productive, at least you think you're not, but you're creating quite a bit of stuff, maybe subconsciously that works for you when you get back and start thinking about how you want to do your work. So that's good that you're taking time off. And I ask that purposely because a lot of the people that listen to this business, this show, uh, are are of the mindset that they should always be working and if they leave their business that things aren't going to happen and that's not true at all and I often convey time off is a wonderful thing build it in your practice and as you know as you're reading my book I spent a lot of time on that Claude what would be um, some of the key issues in your business that you know you need to stay up on you absolutely need to stay up on top of what's going on in the industry. You know, you know, you, you have to look at like recently um, there has been changes to um, how long-term care is handled on the West coast, particularly in the state of Washington. And because long-term care is something that seven out of 10 adults are going to face. 
And it's not just over 64. It, you, you are literally an accident away from maybe needing long-term care. And so understanding the change in the law, especially for those clients who are, that you might be dealing with in the West Coast is very key. You know, the pandemic has had changes in the, in, in the way our business is handled in terms of um, all of a sudden there's age restrictions that weren't there before. So it's being to stay on top of, stay current on what is going on and also stay current on, you know, wh- one of the big things is right now in, in the news and, and you've seen it is Bitcoin. You know, I, we've been talking about Bitcoin for a, a bit of time. And I remember having this conversation with somebody and I'm like, so I don't understand the, I get the back of the house, but I need to know the front of the house. Like, so if I want to use my Bitcoin, do I take my computer to the Walmarts? How do I do this? And no one can really explain it to me. (laughs) I've I've been keeping up on it. And you know what? There's a lot of changes to the front of the house. There was actually recently an article of how do you use Bitcoin in your retirement? And I'm like, okay, you know something? And this is something your clients are going to whether it's your your um your my my you know small business clients or my 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 family clients they're going to want to know how does bitcoin what's bitcoin and how does it work within what we do you know let me give this example um i i tend to be more homeopathic than by you know medications when it comes to you know self when it comes to caring for myself and my mom because had a lot of acid reflux. And they usually would, you know, recommend Prilosec and, and all the stuff that you see on TV, drugs. And I really didn't want her on that anymore. So I remember going into um, Whole Foods and saying to a friend there, and I said, listen, this is the problem I'm having with my mom. I don't want to give her this. What can I do? And he recommended that I give her this particular product. And I said, okay, so I take her to see her cardiologist and I was already prepared that this guy is not going to know anything I'm talking about because he's traditional medicine. So he's saying to me, well, how are you handling your mom's acid reflux? And I said, I'm using this thing. And he goes, oh, now I can't say the, the apostle names. So I was using the initials. He went, oh, you mean da, 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 da. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He knew exactly what I was talking about. And he said, for you, this would work. For your mom, this is why it can't, it's not a good idea. And he gave me the reasons. And he didn't say go back to the drugs. He says, look for something that does not have this ingredient that will help you and do what you want. At that moment, I was so blown away because I did not expect this traditional Western doctor to understand the whole this this thing that I was doing. And because he did, it bound me more to him. So it didn't, it, I, I felt we weren't an adversarial relationship, but I thought in this area, we were going to basically be at loggerheads. But then when I realized he was up on the different things, and that meant he was taking the time to keep himself informed about um, changes in the medical field outside of just drugs, that bound me to him more. As a financial professional, you have to be the same. Whether it's part of your practice or not, you have to be informed of what's going out there so that when your client, whatever it is, comes to you, you can give them a, you can give them the information that they're seeking from you. 
You can have a conversation because ultimately, always, you're going to make the decision you need for yourself. But you as their advisor, you as their guide, their coach, you want to be part of that process. You never want to say, oh, I'm not familiar with that, but in my opinion, it's not going to work. How do you know it's not going to work? You don't even know what it is. It's better to say, you know what? I'm not familiar with this. You know what? Let me give me let me look it up and then let's talk about it because you might I might be about to learn something new, you know, and then move on with what you're doing. One of the one of the key things of the client relationship is where the client has a lot of just like you did with that person all of a sudden because you you didn't get the outcome you were expecting but you got a better outcome you had confidence in this person that they're going to go out of their way to learn stuff and give you their frank honest opinion now that's not that different from a financial planner who says hey you know i don't know much about it i have an associate that's very deep in this but let's look it up and talk about it. And if you need more reference, I get, you know, those what's, that's what clients are looking for. They're not expecting you to know everything, but they want you to be honest of what you know and don't know. And if you could be of help of anything you don't know, right? Exactly. And that's exactly what you do. Um, Claude, as we're talking about this, I, you have a very strong relationship with your clients. I know that. So let's talk a little bit about the process that you put in play when, let's say, you're referred or introduced to someone who wants to know more about what you do. Bring us through the process a bit. So when someone refers someone to me and um, besides being, you know, very grateful that, you know, they thought of me, you know, my goal first is to get to know the person. Like, so, um, Let's use you, for example. So uh, we're meeting for the first time and I'm like, hi, Tom, how are you? You know, oh, you know, and since we mutually, we both know Bill Doerr, who's an amazing guy. You're right. He has the greatest radio voice in in the world. Um, You say, oh, how do you know Bill? And we would talk about that. My goal for the first step is to just get to know each other. Then somewhere before that, I'll start, you know, asking, you know, tell me about your family, you know, tell me about some of the things you want to know. and start to start pulling out like what's their priorities. And at some point I say, so you, when you came to see, um, when you were talking to Bill, you had some, you know, something you were looking for to talk to me. Let's talk about that. I want to first get them to not only meet them, get me to get to know them, but I also want them to start getting to know me a little bit. So because finance is very personal. So as personal finance, it's, you, you, before someone's going to get naked with you about their money, they need to know that when they get naked with you, it's not going to be on YouTube. So I want people to understand me, get to know me. And it might take one meeting. It might take a couple meetings. The first meeting might just be, you know, what can I do for you? Says, oh, I want to find out whatever it is that the client is looking for that's going to put them at ease. Then the second step is once we've gone there, I will share with them what it is that I do, show them like how how it is that by educating people on how money works, what what does that actually mean? So I take them to our process, which is an informational um, seminar that we offer. And then from there, they're like, yep, this is something I really want to know more about. And I said, so let's sit and make another point. Let's sit down and let's do a little bit of deep dive now into where 
what those goals are. So where is it that you want to be? Okay. You say, I want to retire at 65. Awesome. How old are you now? I am 53. Perfect. So in 12 years, you want to retire. We talk about what it is. Does it mean for them to retire? What is what what would they need? Excuse me, to feel comfortable in retirement. And then I said, okay, let's talk about where you are right now. What do you have in place? And I said, well, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. There seems to be a gap. So let's look at that. And then that's a se- another series of meetings because you want to start peeling through that to see where there's opportunity to change. There's opportunity to whatever it is, because every person is unique. Everybody's situation is particular to them. So it's not a like, I do A, B, C, or D. The process is we sit down, we go through it. And then based on that, once we kind of, then after we've got all the information, we now sit down again and let's go through what it is. And then we start making recommendations. And then we talk about those recommendations and show the client why this, why that, let them ask their questions because as you said, everybody is, you know, they're more informed than you think it is. Most people are more informed than you think they are. And then based on that, we go forward with what the client is prepared to do. But that is, I think, is the biggest point within us is if I once, because it's like this, a person knows that they need to lose weight. A person knows they need to get in shape. They know exactly what they have to do. But the question is, what are you prepared to do? You know, what are you, are you prepared to step into this, what this guideline, this, 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 that we've laid out? And are you prepared to actually execute this and stick to it so that you can get to where you want to be? Because it doesn't matter what I say or what I give you. If you are not prepared to do it and you are not committed to making that change, we're just having a, a chat. We're not, um, you, you're really taking into that guideline. And if you're not prepared, in five years, you're going to be asking the exact same question that you had asked me five years ago. But the difference is you've lost five years of moving yourself forward. And that five years in the world of finance is a very big deal. Yeah. So that's, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, so that's that's our process. It's 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 the it's the it's the conversation. It's moving them through. It's finding out what their goals, what their priorities are, you know, understanding where they are to where they want to be. Then from there, help craft a plan that's going to move them towards where they want to be. And and that is a, a really good procedure because it's got everything in there that you need, the education the process, they, they're comfortable, they're taking it at their own time. Because, you know, let's say a lot of people, especially younger people today, are really very illiterate on the, on the, uh, the movement of money, the, the uh, velocity of money, um, and even basics. I mean, I, I, I often cringe when I think of uh, people go to college and don't even know how to use a checkbook. You know, it's unbelievable. Um, so you wonder what they're going to do in life. I, I, <laughs> but the process is good. The education is good. And so, so Claudia, let's say you now have a client. And what is your review system with them? So our review system with them, we call it a, a financial needs analysis. 
it looks into, it says starts with their goals. It looks into their debt. It looks into their accounts receivables, the accounts payables. It looks what's going out, what's coming in and looks at, okay, um, how much can you actually save? So there's a whole process we have. It's a checklist that we go through, so to speak, that asks questions so we can get a, a, a clear picture of how this person is using their money. And then through that, um, then at the end of that, it says, okay, now, now we know, like we had, I had one client, he was living within his means. He actually had extra money every month. He was able to double down on paying off his debt. And, but he thought that he, the two challenges with this person though was they want to retire in four years and have nothing set aside for that. And their goal was to live in outside of the United States and in the United States. And um, I said, that's fine, but you've got four years to accomplish this goal. Um, what are you prepared to do? Because you don't have a lot of time. And I kept reemphasizing this as well. And, and I want to kind of touch back to what you just said about being financially illiterate, because it's not just the young pe people who are your Gen Zs and your, your millennials. You, you also have baby boomers that don't quite understand. They don't understand this either because I kept having to emphasize regardless, you know, he said, well, what if I did this? What if I did this? I said, none of those are bad, but the rule of 72, which you're very familiar with, way compound interest works does not change. It's rate of return and time. You just don't have enough time. If you want to get that rate of return that's going to, you know, kind of take time out of the way, you're moving into a realm where it is highly speculative. It could work, but it also could not. You can't, and at your age and with the time frame that you have, highly speculative is not necessarily wise mm -hmm. because it could work for a year, but it could go really south really badly and do you have the time to recoup the thing is, the person seemed to understand what i was saying but then uncle louie got in the way yeah yeah and you know that's interesting because i often use this phrase and i with the executives that i work with i said don't be the guy that asks your buddy in the next office gee, this is a nice Fidelity 401k. What funds are you putting the money in, right? So in other words, it, it's this is not that generic. This has got to be more about you, how you feel about risk. And you make a great point here, Claudette. Here you look at someone who's got a goal four or five years from now, and look at math's not going to change. Math does not lie. If you want to have this goal, the only option you have is save a lot more money in four years or take a lot more risk, which neither one of them may be palatable to you, right? But what you did what was interesting is you measured it for him where they didn't before. The client didn't. You did. Yep. I, and I spent a lot of time with them breaking it down. Like, here it is. Here, And I put it in writing. Here it is. Line by line. 
if you do this, this, and they like, no, I understand that makes perfect sense. However, someone said that if I just invest in, in like a mutual fund and I was like, Uncle Louie, Uncle Louie. And, but, and this is the biggest challenge to, to financial literacy and financial security across the United States. Uncle Louie online is always talking about the next big killing. I mean, Tom. I know. GameStop. GameStop. I I didn't, I didn't get it. Like people like, oh yeah, the GameStop stock is, stop, stock is going up crazy. And I'm like, wait, I said, what? Wait, are you talking about that little store next to the Whole Foods in Tribeca where you go in and you play video games all day? That GameStop? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's got that much value? It's a video store. (laughs) What? They're like, oh yeah, it's making a killing. And I was like, no, this is not right. There's this, and I just said, and they were like, yeah, I got to get in on it. I got to get this. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. How is something like this having so much value? I don't see it. I don't understand it. For what little I understand about how the market moves, this didn't make any sense. And sure enough, it was somebody who was driving the market. And I loved somebody's expression. This guy got the Muppets to speculate in the market. And because the Muppets, as you ever watched the Muppets, they come in and they just go crazy. The guy, he did really well. A couple of other people who understood what was going on did really well. But a lot of people, took a bath and and it was what was going on was indicative of what goes on in this country everybody's trying to make a killing they want to have that one-time deal where they come in and they make this killing and they walk around like set for life with lamborghinis and you know homes on in montecito that's not the way finances work (laughs) Not for it doesn't, and you know the funny thing about the market, you only hear about the great stories. You never, yeah, ninety nine percent of love. In two thousand and eight, I literally had no clients that lost a dime because of planning and putting things methodically in place and where they should be based on their attitude about investments and stuff like that. And um, it's interesting because so many people got beat up there because they didn't have a plan. Like, you know, you base everything based on a plan, which is based on their attitude and what they want to accomplish. But you've seen a million people just randomly take money and throw it out like it's going to happen automatically. I just put a post in on LinkedIn today, and it was about valuation of your own company. And I said, why would someone not have an evaluation of your own company that you blood, sweat, tears, and you cry over, but you'll go, you can't wait to get to the financial pages when you get home at night to see how your stock's doing. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it, it, it doesn't. And, no. and, and this and this is the thing is, you know, on that edu- informational seminar that we teach, you know, the, the, the line is, is the difference between the average person and the wealthy is the wealthy understands how money works and they're constantly looking for ways to create, to build and protect what they have and pass it on generationally. Generationally, Whereas the average person, 
doesn't understand about building and protecting wealth over the long term. They think it's going to happen overnight. And they only talk about, think of one or two years out. Let me explain. This, this has driven me crazy for, for years. I have a friend whose, whose thing is sneakers. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, he will get up at two o'clock in the morning and get on a line to buy this first, this, this pair of Jordans because he's going to resell it. I actually connected with someone who actually explained to me how the sneaker thing works. And I said, okay, I get it. You're a collector. Okay. This makes sense. You're a collector of what seems to be everybody wants. Well, let me ask you a question. So you've, you've made this profit on this pair of sneakers that you purchased and you sold. What are you doing with that money that you just made? Are you going, are you pouring it back into your business, which is buying more sneakers, or are you putting a portion aside so that it's working for you so that it's there in the event that say this trend changes? He looked at me like a deer in headlights. (laughs) And I said, that's the difference between the middle class is that the wealthy understands that it doesn't matter that they are collecting art or sneakers or what, or houses or what have you. What they're looking for is a portion of it's going to go this way, but a portion of it is going into building and protecting that wealth over the long term. They're not thinking about five years. They're looking five years. Have I increased my holdings? But they're not looking to have this massive explosion in five years. They're planning down the road. They're they're planning. They are planting trees that they do not plan on getting the shade from. That's what the wealthy do. The, the and, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I I wanted to add this too because this has been my world. But the wealthy do two things that a lot of people don't do. They're disciplined in what they do on their investments, and they're educated on how they're going to do certain things and their strategies. Where unsuccessful people financially are not at all disciplined, like you just said that your friend there. And they're not educated. They don't take the time to educate. That's why I think this this um, education seminar that you do is so fabulous because, uh, you know, not everybody offers that, but you do. And I think that's a great thing, a great tool. Um, wow. And, and, we, and we offer more that, you know, within our platform, we give people the opportunity to come in and learn from industry professionals on topics such as investment basics, such as, you know, real estate basics, such as what real estate versus investment. Why does it work? Such as understand, such as understanding, like we, 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 we had a training on derivatives. I'm like, oh my gosh. Now, and on the difference between puts and calls. And we offer this and we open this. If you're interested in just learning more, we give you access within our platform for one year to basically do an MBA. It's recorded, You, it's regular trainings, and you can avail yourself to understanding. It is when I, that's and that's literally how I got started. Well, I said, all right, I need to learn more. And I remember as I sat there, I learned more and more. And I was like, I can't believe this stuff is out there. <laughs> Why didn't I know this? I know. Um Claudia, we're going to have to end, but I wanted to ask you, um, first of all, for uh, for everybody listening, 
all of the contact information I will have in the show notes, Claudette. So that's so, so they can get everything from you. But is there anything in particular you would like to direct them to that you're giving away or whatever it might be that when they go to the show notes, they should click it and go look for anything? So um, our big drive with our firm is to to educate 30, 30 million, 30,000 in um in three years, it's like it's 30, 30. I forget that I'm like, I should know this, but I'm forgetting right now. Yeah. Um, on financial literacy. And I would really I this is something that we offer to learn more about how money works. So that you at least have an idea of what you are assessing. I invite you and I I offer this to you to reach out to me um, so that I can share this information. Regardless of what it is, in two weeks, next month, we're doing a seminar on tax planning. Who doesn't need to know how to be more tax advantaged and to understand how taxes, because I got to tell you, if you don't think taxes are going to go up, yeah. because remember, taxes are a way that a government pays their debt. The middle class is the low hanging fruit in ways of inputting taxes. And if you are not more tax advantage and you don't understand how to hold on to more of your money, you know what, Tom? Most of the people who are listening to this were not around in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Or when the the highest minimum, the, the maximum tax rate was 70%. Right. They don't even know that back in the 1940s, the highest was 94%. They're like, that's not true. Yeah, it is. It is true. It is true. And uh, I had that experience, my father dying with the 70% estate tax and an exemption yeah. of only 60,000. Exactly. So I'm going to put all the stuff in the show notes and um, anything we want to add, uh, Claudette, I'll put in there for you. So people could reach out to you, have a conversation with you. And go from there and you can direct them that way. But um, I, I want to thank you very much, Claudette, for coming in and spending so much time. But folks, Claudette is very, very passionate about educating you so you can make those decisions that you really should be making. And, uh, you know, listen, when I bought my first house, it was $32,000. My cars cost three times that. All right. So you're so down the road, if you're not going to take care of your finances now, I have to tell you, when you try to retire in 20 years, you're going to have a rude awakening. Now's the time to talk to someone like Claudette. Claudette, thank you for being our guest. Thank you so much, Tom. I really, really enjoyed this. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks so much. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, If you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner, or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help 
people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necggincinc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necggincinc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.